to read Romans 11, 1 to 5 from the Living Bible. So now, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith in his promises, we can have real peace with him because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. For because of our faith, he has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to actually becoming all that God has in mind for us to be. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to be patient, and patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. Then when that happens, we are able to hold our heads high, no matter what happens, and know that all is well. For we know how dearly God loves us, and we feel this warm love everywhere within us, because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. I was asked this morning to share my testimony about living with unanswered prayer. My husband, Luke Wenger, was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease when he was 41 years old. That's over 35 years ago. At that time, he had patented several medical devices and had a growing business with 180 employees. It was a good time to be in business. We had everything a growing family would desire. Three lovely children. Everything seemed perfect. Perfect family, perfect job perfect house in the country, our family enjoying our small farm with animals, good neighbors, and a lovely view located on land that our forefathers got from William Penn's sons, a great inheritance. I was actually waiting for the other shoe to drop because everything seemed too perfect. And it was a tremor in his pinky finger. He didn't want to go to the doctor. But I knew that spelled trouble because I was a nurse. After tests, the doctor said, either a brain tumor or Parkinson's disease. Neither one's a good thing to have. A brain tumor maybe could have been cured, but not Parkinson's disease. And I knew that. With medication for a number of years, he could still be in charge of his business. Luke believed that he could and would be healed. He talked about going to Catherine Coleman's faith healing service. He went to Mexico and California for alternative treatment and almost died at both those places. Here in this church, there was a special healing service for him. I didn't believe he could be healed, so I didn't go to the service because I thought a negative attitude would be detrimental. My grandfather had Parkinson's disease, and he lived with us, so I knew what would ultimately happen. That he wouldn't be able to be alone, that he couldn't care for himself, and that he would lose cognitive function. I'm not sure what the catalyst was that I started to question my faith. During this time, my brother, who was a doctor, saw something wrong in the hospital he was working in, and he reported it, believing that right would prevail and that God was in control. It didn't happen that way. And eventually, because he thought his prayers were unanswered and for other circumstances, he rejected his faith. 
I'm sure that had a powerful influence on my thinking at that time. His wife was diagnosed with lupus at the same time that Luke was diagnosed, and eventually he decided to leave his marriage. People ask me, is that what you're planning to do? My granddaughter was diagnosed with anorexia, and my grandson was born with an upside-down chromosome. He can't talk and needs to have someone with him all the time. I wanted to believe that God was a God of love and was in control of my life, but I had so many questions. I was trying to figure it out. Now I know that faith doesn't figure it out. Faith believes. But then I agonized. I felt alone because I was afraid to tell my family about my struggles because I thought I would be judged and misunderstood. This is something I want to share with you that I wrote, that I shared with the church some 20 years ago. And I want to share it this morning because I don't want to come here this morning and say I have it all figured out. I want to just share it with a little bit about my struggle. This is what I shared in this church. I briefly wanted to share with you this morning that if you think of me as the person I was 10 years ago, you don't really know me. I have changed, not by choice, but by circumstances. Circumstances in my life have made me ask hard questions. Questions like, who is God? Does he care? Are the fundamental things that I base my life on, are they true? I am searching. I don't have answers for myself now. I'm not coming to you victorious that I have doubted but overcome. Everything is not okay with me, with my life, with my faith. I'm sad about that, and that in itself gives me hope. Part of me wants desperately to be a part of you, our church community. Sometimes part of me wants to walk away and say it's not important. It's not worth my time and energy. I want to belong, and yet I feel estranged, not by you, but how I feel about issues that I'm struggling with that differ greatly from what I think you believe. I'm meeting with the care group here at church, and that lessens my loneliness because they do listen to my struggles. I share with you because I want to be real. I want church to be meaningful. I want to be loved for who I am now in the midst of my struggles not someone who you may perceive me to be. Now that you really know who I am, can you love me? I prayed for an answer. Then one night I had a a vivid dream or a vision. A being, neither male nor female, appeared before me with such love and kindness and understanding. We communicated without words being spoken. I admitted that I didn't know what I believed. The unspoken yet clearly understood answer was revealed to me. That is acceptable. You are loved. I wanted to hold on to this feeling because it was real, and I truly believed I had been given a gift that I would find nowhere else. I always knew my father loved me, but this was 10,000 times better. I didn't know this being, but I was loved unconditionally. During this time, there were other spiritual visits which confirmed in various ways that I am loved. This changed my life in so many ways. 
Even now, it inspires the core who, of who I am and what I believe. I was finally able to accept life, as unfair as that is, and be okay. I needed to learn how to live in a new country, so to speak. And I could now do that because there was something I could hold on to believe. I still didn't know how to believe, but I chose to take by faith what was in the Bible. Contrary to popular thought today that there are many ways to God, I want to state clearly here today that I reject that theory. I have chosen to believe the Bible. And to me, I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, Jesus says. I don't try to figure it out anymore. I accept by faith what the Bible says. This does put me at odds with some of my friends, but that's okay. I know what I believe. I have been reluctant to share my experience with others for several reasons. Why should I have had a visit of the Spirit? Also, I'm afraid I won't be believed or that telling it will take some of the preciousness away or even that others will think me arrogant. For a number of months, I told no one of my experiences. Then one day, my son and daughter-in-law came to visit. We were sitting around the kitchen table talking and suddenly I had a very strong urging to tell them. But that would also mean that I would be telling them that I had been doubting and that was scary. But the spirit urged and I shared with them. Without saying a word, my son left the table, went to the car, and came back with a book that he laid on the table. He said, we stopped at a bookstore and I saw that book and felt compelled to buy it, but I didn't know why. The title was Brush of an Angel's Wing. I knew then, without a doubt, that the Holy Spirit continued to be at work in all our lives, encouraging each of us. To this day, I continue to hold this as a special gift, the gift of God's Holy Spirit. The reason I'm willing to tell you now is that I know some of you are struggling in many ways, and I hope by my sharing you will understand that God's Holy Spirit is alive and well. Sometimes I think our prayers have more to do with communicating with God rather than getting what we want when we pray for something. We can be strong, come strong in our fellowship with God and know that he cares for us in our circumstances. My life is not what I would have chosen, and I realize that probably most people's lives are not what we would desire. People have asked me how I can deal so many years of living with this disease in our lives. Luke has been in skilled care for almost four years after I could care for him no more at home. He has dementia, which is evidenced in his belief that he has a business. He must do the taxes. He's being sued or even that he needs to feed the cows. It's becoming increasingly difficult to be with him. I know without a doubt that God loves us and cares for both of us. We, may, we have many blessings, including family and good friends. I am thankful for my health, my family, and friends, which I don't take for granted because I know they could be taken away at any time. To keep on track spiritually, I read the Bible, pray, play the piano with songs that I think about throughout the day, 
and spend time in nature and with friends who share their faith journeys. Every day I appreciate what I do have and try to let go of what I wish I would have. And every day I pray for friends who struggle with addictions, pornography, anorexia, low self-worth, health problems, mental illness, and the list could go on. And I have no answers to why some prayers don't seem to be answered and others are. But for me, what I believe right now, this minute, I believe contentment is something one needs to acquire and to hold on, being thankful, and always aware of God's loving presence. Last night when I shared with Luke what I was going to tell you this morning, I asked him what he thought about unanswered prayer. (laughs) His answer in Luke fashion was, I just don't dwell on it. (laughs) (laughs) Psalm 23 from the Living Bible is my mantra. Oh God, you love me. You are holding my right hand. You will keep on guiding me all my life with your wisdom and counsel and afterwards receive me into the glories of heaven. Whom have I in heaven but you? And I desire no one on earth as much as you. My health may fail, my spirits droop, yet you remain. You are the strength of my heart. You are mine forever. I will get as close to you as I can. I have chosen you and I will tell everyone about the wonderful ways you rescue me. I have a memento from my grandmother hanging on my wall. My grandmother was a wise and beloved woman who many years ago gave each of her daughters a Christmas gift of a painted sampler. As I was growing up, it was hung near the steps of the stairs in the old farmhouse. It reads like this. If an angel of God to you should appear and in love sincere would say to you, I have one more to you I'll give. So in peace and happiness you may live. What should you take? Contentment. Yes, that's the key to unlock the door of all the many blessings in store for you. If with what you have you are truly content, you have the most blessed of blessings sent. So cultivate contentment. I often think of this when I am less than content with my life. And I thank my grandmother and my God for this insight for loving me unconditionally. One last poem that became meaningful to me. The little things that bug me, resentments deep within, the things I ought to do undone, the irritations one by one, till nerves stretch screaming thin and bare for all the world to see, which needs his touch to make it whole, the most, my body or my soul. I pray, but nothing comes out right. My thoughts go flying everywhere. My attitudes are all confused. I hate myself. I am not used to hands all clenched, not clasped in prayer, and heart too leaden to take flight. Which of which needs to be whole, the most, my body or my soul? I cannot read, I cannot pray, I cannot even think. Where to from here? And how get there with only darkness everywhere? I ought to rise and only sink and feel his arms and hear him say, I love you. It was all my soul or body needed to be whole. I believe that my prayers were answered for healing. The healing was for me, for my spirit. Now I can rest in the everlasting knowledge of God's perfect love for me.
Years ago, in a bare, locked cell in Philhaven Hospital, following a suicide attempt, I, couldn't pr I didn't pray, I couldn't pray, for weeks. Lots of people were praying for my healing, and some may have been disappointed when, although I survived that crisis, I continued to experience recurring episodes of depression over the years. I enjoyed lots of good times as well. I was often excited and feeling invincible. I could do anything. But then, without warning, I would crash. <clears throat> About three years ago, I started to think that I was finally okay. I didn't like the side effects of the medication, and I decided I didn't really need it. I was fine. On Saturday, I went with our Sunday school class to Philadelphia by train for an outdoor art sculpture tour led by Roland Joder. It was so much fun. I was a bundle of energy all day, really high. On the train, I was kidding with the conductor and had everyone laughing. I remember that the conductor asked a couple sitting behind us if they were part of our group. The wife said, no, but I wish we were, because they're having so much fun. <laughs> that was Saturday. On Monday, I walked out of the hospital where my mother had been admitted with a stroke and wandered for hours in a panic, desperately wanting to end my life and trying to figure out how to do it. No one knew where I was. I ended up in a psychiatric hospital near Philadelphia for three weeks. It was there that I first learned that my diagnosis was not depression but bipolar disorder and that the medication I had been on for years was actually making the highs higher and the lows lower. <clears throat> I have scars on my wrist from that episode, scars which remind me daily that as much as I don't like it, I must stay on medication for the rest of my life to control these dangerous mood swings of bipolar disorder. I'm so grateful for the discovery of medication that can actually help keep me more stable. I can most of the time accept that this is just the way it is, the way it's meant to be. And I thank God for the rich and full life I've been able to live in spite of it. I'm sometimes discouraged with the ups and downs I still experience, sometimes embarrassed by my diagnosis, often not liking myself very much. But when I'm open to seeing it, I do sometimes notice that God is using me in a situation that would not be possible for me to relate to were it not for my history. I'm a broken pot, but I happen to think God likes to use broken pots. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians at Corinth that God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. In my brokenness, I'm daily receiving comfort from God, which I can pass on to others. I have our son Keith's permission to tell you parts of his story. Keith was born 41 years ago with a rare life-threatening bone marrow disease called Kosman's neutropenia. 
his bone marrow doesn't produce white cells called neutrophils. And so he's always very susceptible to bacterial infections. I was totally consumed by the impossible task of protecting my baby from bacteria, and he was so sick so much of the time. In addition to the necessary IV antibiotics for every fever, our baby endured countless bone marrow aspirations and other painful tests for the sake of research into this rare condition in which 75% of babies don't survive infancy. I was chronically exhausted for the first three years of his life, but nothing I suffered was more painful than being encouraged by some well-meaning church folk that we really needed to pray with more faith, believing without a doubt that Keith's bone marrow would be healed and it would be so. These persons came came armed with plenty of scripture verses to prove their point. One night during that time, I wrote, I give in to fear when Keith is so sick. I can't help it. Then I worry about what effect my little faith might be having on him. But I've heard it said, does a bridge hold me up because I have great faith in it? No, it holds me up because it's a strong bridge. (coughs) Excuse me. I can't believe that God's ability to heal increases or decreases in direct proportion to how much faith I can muster at the moment. If that were the case, I could manipulate God. All I can do tonight is remember that God loves Keith more than I do and that I can trust him to do what's best and to give me whatever strength I might need to bear it. End of quote. We were happy when Keith, as a teenager, still struggling with his illness, became involved in a short-term youth mission program with a very charismatic leader. One night, Keith called us from the camp where he was in orientation. He couldn't wait to tell us that everyone had gathered around him and prayed for his healing, and he just knew that he had been healed in that moment. Then, when he was soon hospitalized with another serious infection and lab tests showed no improvement in his blood count, Keith was disillusioned for a long time, plus angry at himself for having been so gullible. That was really hard for all of us. This July, during a time of worship at a large King family reunion in Missouri, with my six siblings and their families, Keith shared something that took my breath away. To all these aunts and uncles and cousins who have prayed for him since he was a baby, Keith, who has suffered so much, said, I'd like to say something about what you might call unanswered prayers for healing. He said, I want you all to know that my illness, my illness has shaped who I am to the very core, and I wouldn't give it up for anything. W.L. Carrington has written, 
Only a faith which is willing to accept any or no physical healing can free the body and mind from emotional conflict with its constant dissipation of energy and so liberate in its fullness the healing power of the Spirit of God. That is what it means to be made whole. Last week, Pastor Todd gave us a wonderful introduction to today's lesson about how to pray. I do live in an attitude of prayer. In fact, I think all my thoughts are prayers when I am aware that God knows every thought. All week I've found myself saying over and over, as Todd suggested, wow, sorry, thank you, or help. If I were to keep track, I think I most frequently say, Thank you, Lord. I know that God created my brain, and yours too, to be completely unable to understand the mysteries of God. It has to be that way, because a God I could understand wouldn't be any greater than I am. So I try to embrace the deep mysteries of life and death. There's a beautiful old song that says, I don't need to understand, I just need to hold his hand. I very very deliberately choose to believe that God is good, no matter what. This means telling myself over and over, life is hard, but God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. God is good and I can trust him. Somewhere I read, living faith is a determined chasing after God through all that disguises, disfigures, and seeks to abolish him, trusting God's goodness despite apparent evidence against it. And very important is knowing that God loves me far than I can ever imagine. And so it's safe for me to trust that he'll do what's best for me in light of eternity. Philip Yancey wrote, Everyone has an image of God that is distorted in some way. We must have, of course, since God transcends anyone's ability to imagine him. An anonymous quote I like, If knowing answers to life's questions is absolutely necessary to you, then forget the journey. You'll never make it. Four, this is a journey of unknowables, unanswered questions, and things unfair. Dennis Covington wrote, Mystery is not the absence of meaning, but the presence of more meaning than we can comprehend. Sue Conrad said, Mystery is not a wall we, we run up against, but an ocean to swim in. As a child, Corrie ten Boom overheard an adult conversation about sexual immorality and didn't understand what they were talking about. Later, riding with her father on the train, she asked him about it. Her father stood and took his suitcase down from the overhead rack and sat it on the floor. Will you carry this for me, Corrie, he asked. Corrie eagerly stood up and tugged at it. Oh, it's too heavy, she said. Yes, said her father, and it's the same way, Corey, with knowledge. Some knowledge is too heavy for children. When you are older and stronger, you can bear it. 
but for now you must trust me to carry it for you. And I was satisfied, Corey wrote. There were answers to this and all my hard questions, but for now I was content to leave them in my father's keeping. I like today's image of prayer as knocking at the door, but unlike the reluctant sleepy friend in today's scripture reading, I choose to picture Jesus eagerly opening the door when I knock and obviously happy to see me there. I have a vivid imagination. And ever since I saw Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ, Jesus, when he opens that door, looks an awful lot <laughs> like James Caviezel. <laughs> oh, those beautiful, kind eyes. I love him so much. And I can see in those eyes that I'm deeply loved and very welcome there. I love something Ron Adams once said. In our weakness, our vulnerability, and our helplessness, God finds us irresistible. Philip Yancey wrote, We need only groan and God understands, like a mother understands her baby who can't talk. It's the very helplessness of the child that gives the mother's compassion such intensity. I have another vivid image of knocking on the door of heaven. This time, I smash the door down with a sledgehammer, and I begin pounding on Jesus' chest with both fists. How could you let this happen? And then Jesus grabs me and holds me really tight till I stop struggling. And he's rubbing my back and whispering, Shh, I know, I know, it's awful. But it's going to be okay, I promise. And my heart melts in the presence of so much compassion. And I leave those encounters with Jesus feeling comforted, even though things are still not okay. We are loved more than we can imagine. We are surrounded by mystery, and that's a good thing. Life is hard, but God is good. And he pleases God best who trusts him most. <laughs>